You are listening to Angel Insights, brought to you by Syndicate Room. For those of you who are listening for the first time, this is the show that takes you inside the world of angel investing to reveal their strategies, tips, and perspectives when it comes to making those early stage investments. And I'm so thrilled to have Jonathan Struhl join me on the show today. Jonathan is a partner at Indicator Ventures, a seed stage VC firm based in New York, who in a short time have built the most staggering of portfolios. And you know what they say, an investor's brand is his portfolio. And today's show will very much focus around brand and how angels and early stage VCs can heighten their brand to increase the quantity and quality of their deal flow. And the accompanying article for today's episode with Jonathan can be found on the Syndicate Room website at syndicateroom.com. So without further ado, let's get this strategy session going. And I'm delighted to welcome Jonathan Struhl, partner at Indicator Ventures. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Harry. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I'd love you to kick off the show today by giving us a little background about you and telling us how you made your way into the investing world. Sure. So I um, I started in the music business, the short stint in the music business uh, and the marketing side of things, brand partnerships. It turns out that when you're in the music business, you don't really get to work with your favorite brands, uh, especially when you're first starting out. So, you know, as, as a passion project, it, it sort of went to the side. I wasn't working with sort of, you know, some of the greatest bands in the world like I thought it would be. Um, but I loved the marketing side of it. And that's when I majored in school. So uh, I ended up leaving the music business, went to uh, run marketing for a CPG company, started to really dig deep into digital marketing and social. Left there and, and started a social media agency. So we would do social for large brands. I actually started with one of my partners now. Um, and what we were doing is, you know, we, we started just doing pure play social media strategy and sort of content creation, et cetera. This interesting thing happened. A lot of our brand clients came to us and said, we want to find the cool new startups. Help us with find the ad tech startups. Help us find the cool new consumer apps. You know, brands want to be some of the first adopters of this stuff. So we ended up finding some really great companies, spending a ton of time in, um, in really the startup community. Um, and we had a really interesting angle where we would find great companies and introduce them to large corporations that are interested in sort of, you know, using them and, and, and starting some sort of relationship. And then we would start to do some angel investing. So it was myself, my partner, and, and our third partner um, at Boston. We would sort of come together and have these like late night ad hoc investment meetings working with these really awesome startups. And then uh, one day we sort of turned around and we're like, you know, this agency, it's, it's going well, but we spend most of our times with the startups, not with our brand clients. Uh, that was like what we did, what we loved, and what we were good at. And we were making all these angel investments. And one day we're like, this is what we love. This is what we're very good at. Let, let's raise a fund. So sort of wound down the agency. Uh, this was about two years ago and raised Indicator Ventures. And, and there's quite a few things I would love to unpack there. And the first is, what, what time was the starting of the social company? Probably around 2010. I think so. What did you see? What did you see in the landscape then in social, and has it played out as you thought it would? Obviously, evolution in mobile might have changed some predictions. Uh, and and how do you expect that to play out further? I'm intrigued. With, you know, I spoke to someone the other day, and they thought kind of we'd be uh, viewing friends and Facebook via VR in the future. Uh, what, what's your take on kind of emerging platforms for social? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm a big fan of social. I'm an avid user of Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, sort of all, all the platforms I can get my hand on. I, I like to look at them from a VC angle, but I just, I'm just also a user, right? I'm, I'm young and, and this is sort of, you know, I was raised in that generation. But, you know, when I was starting the agency back, back in the day, even before that, when I was running marketing for, for a company, Part of my job was to figure out, you know, we had a bunch of great influencers that were investors in this in this CPG company that I was running marketing for. You know, folks like LeBron James and Serena Williams and Pitbull and, you know, some of these really large personalities with huge social following. And they had no way to figure out how to efficiently, A, monetize their platforms, B, there was no strategy behind it. So I remember once, uh, you know, like talking to Serena's agent and, you know, I was just talking to her about this new Nike contract that she was doing. Um, and I was like, do you have anything, you know, about social written in the contract, like any deliverables? I said, you know, Serena has, you know, could reach 30, 40, 50 million people with a, with a click of a button. You know, what's the plan there? And there was no plan. And then I realized that there was a real opportunity then uh, to create sort of some of these social strategies for uh, influencers. So I spent a lot of time on the influencer side of things and also spent a lot of time, you know, content creation. One thing that, you know, is really interesting for brands and what I, I really love to sort of dig deep into is how brands are creating content at scale, right? If you're McDonald's, you have to pump out an insane amount of content to keep your community engaged. There needs to be some sort of call to action. There needs to be this sort of 360 degree marketing plan where social is a small piece of that, but everyone else has to work together from your PR agency, from your digital agency, from your creative agency. When I started, social wasn't really, they didn't really have a seat at the table. Um, I think now they have a huge seat at the table um, and they're starting to work with all the other different, different marketing agencies around a big brand. So I think Content is just really interesting to be able to scale that across all all facets of the organization. And I'm really intrigued there by the importance of social in brand building for individuals. And, you know, deal flow at the early stages, whether as an angel or as an early stage VC or micro VC, uh, is, is a lot on brand and kind of your presence in the community. So how important do you think it is for angels to build up a brand on social? And are there any kind of effective ways you think this can be done? And we've seen Mark Suster kind of dominate uh, Snapchat with his Snapstorms recently. What's your take on dominating social as an angel? First of all, Mark is, is awesome. Listen to his snaps all the time. Uh, I think what he's doing there is sort of like the DJ Khaled for VCs, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's it's really important, right? I, I believe in this business, whether you're an investor or you're an entrepreneur, you need to be a thought leader. You need to own something. You need to really dig deep and and stand up on a, on a, on a soapbox and basically just scream at the top of your lungs about how you feel and your thoughts and your vision for the future. And then companies will find you or investors will find you. It's really important to sort of have some sort of internal social strategy about how you're going to, you know, grow your brand. Because unless you're sort of, you know, the Josh Kushner's of the world, Thrive Capital that invested in Instagram and, you know, a gazillion other companies that his, his portfolio speaks for itself. He doesn't really have to go out there and, and create a brand. It sort of created it itself. Um, not many angel investors, not many VCs really have that. So going and creating this brand will really help, help startups find you. You know, I, you know, hashtags are really powerful for, for the, the, the industry we're in, right? For investors or entrepreneurs. If I, I've been spending a lot of time in virtual reality, right? So I tweet a lot about it. I tweet at people. People tweet at me. We sort of have these conversations. 
around virtual reality. And it, a lot of it, people find me through hashtags. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of a silly thing, and, uh, but it, it actually works. So I think it's really important. And I think the most important uh, platform uh, for us, I believe, is, is Twitter. Right. I think tw- Twitter is, is, is huge for us. So you said the importance of standing up and shouting out about about something. What, what is it that you stand up and shout out about? And does it concern you that if you do it too much on one theme, say VR, as you said there, that only VR companies will come to you and a consumer marketplace may think, oh, he's only interested in VR. Is that kind of specialization danger possible? Um, I think there's there's a balance there. So I, I agree with screaming about one thing and, and really getting up there. But it's really about if you're creating content at a, a constant pace and you are, you know, consistently writing about your thoughts. Like you know, Fred Wilson, you know, at Union Square, he does an incredible job every morning. Uh, you know, just firing out like a couple sentences about what he's thinking. Um, but he does it with such passion. And he does it with such conviction. It's just it's really powerful. And he doesn't do it about one thing, right? I like I said, I'm, I'm really into virtual reality, but there are other spaces that I, that I talk about in other industries. So, yes, pigeonholing yourself into one uh, industry is, is, is a tough thing to do. That being said, if, if you, you spread yourself across, A, if the industry is big enough, um, like for, I believe virtual reality is big enough, you know, from the enterprise angle, from the consumer angle, there's enough deals to be found where, you know, I can literally just invest in VR companies and I think be okay. It's not what we do. But it depends on what industry, how big it is, um, and, and how broad you want to go. I would say go as broad as possible. If you're interested in in sort of enterprise B2B SaaS companies, like scream about that, right? That's a huge industry in and of itself. But as you get more targeted and talk about, you know, VR content or just B2B operational efficiency tools or whatever it is, like try to get as broad as possible. That's interesting. Does that not make it more difficult to attain the market, though, if it is broader, just in terms of you might not hit, you know, so with the show, with with the, the show, you know, uh, here we're hitting early stage startup investors, a very targeted niche demographic instead of investors, it could, you know, public investors, private investors, you know, pension funds. Do you not think that the specialization actually lends to it? I think it's it's important to be specialized. I think in the business we do, there's so many investors, there's so many entrepreneurs, there's so many great companies. The more specific you can get, the more uh, industry focused you can get, the better. You know, I'm I'm obviously just speaking from the in- investor side of things, but you know, if I'm an investor and I I have two partners, we run a fund together. Um, everyone sort of owns a specific industry, um, but a broad, broad industry, you know, things like marketing tech and ad tech or things like IoT, VR, crowdfunding, whatever it is. You know, if you can sort of take your organization and create this content strategy where you're just becoming thought leaders in all these spaces uh, and you're doing it as a team, that, that's really powerful. But I do think you need to be focused on a couple specific industries, maybe not one, but a couple. If you focus too much, you're trying to sort of boil the ocean and it's not going to work out. You're not going to find great companies. You know, there's 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 a beauty to being very specific and being a thought leader in a specific industry, but it needs to be a broad industry. And I'm really, um, that's I'm, I'm really intrigued. You spoke about content there and obviously social. You, you have to have some content to share. So what does your content creation strategy look like? Are you very much a, a writer? Are you, you know, even a Snapchatter or, or an Instagrammer? What is it for you that you found to be most effective in building your brand in, in New York's pretty crowded ecosystem now? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I just tweet and, and post about things I like and things that I think other people will find interesting. You know, a lot of it is requests for startups. So I'll have a problem, whatever it is, and I'll be like, anyone out there solving this problem, which I think is, is, is really interesting to do because it, it, there's an emotional impact there, right? If, if I had this problem and then a startup founder comes to me and is like, Hey, by the way, I, I saw you had that problem. I, I solved it. That instantly is is sort of a, an emotional connection there. I think is is really powerful about about social and creating content. Creating this this sentiment is just you got to hit a chord. I've worked with a lot of companies on developing their their social strategy, their their content strategy, creating content calendars, planning things in advance. Um, I, I like to to work like sort of on a whim. Um, so when I when I find something interesting, when I when I have a problem, I talk about it right away while I'm having the problem. And I'd really love to discuss how you as an investor and angels and, and micro VCs can use social and different kind of messaging and communication channels to build better relationships with current portfolio companies. A friend of mine said to me, uh, you know, take relationships off email and onto WhatsApp or Snapchat and the relationship deepens a lot and quite quickly. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I love that. Uh, I, I'm anti-email. You know, obviously Slack popped up and is really powerful. Um, and I think it's replacing email to some extent internally. But I, I, I text message my founders. Some of them I'm on, I'm on Snapchat with. Some of them, I, most of them I tweet at. Facebook, I'm on Facebook with a lot of them. Uh, and certain ones prefer different things. I think, look, when you respond to email differently than you respond to other forms of communication. I think uh, when you get a text message, it's an open-ended conversation. I think it's more, it's more timely. Uh, people could respond quicker, but also not be forced to, to, to respond at a certain time. I think email, what a lot of founders do who are really busy, they'll clean their inbox, you know, once a day. You know, when they're running around, it's really tough to, to really follow email. But if you have these certain platforms, uh, that you communicate and you have to know it's different for each, for each entrepreneur, right? Certain, certain guys and gals like text messaging better than they like just chatting on Snapchat real quickly or, you know, being tweeted at. So you just really have to know. So I'm on all these platforms and talking to all types of people on the, these different platforms. I, I, again, I, I think emailing with an entrepreneur once you're an investor is good for certain things, but I think when you need to develop that emotional connection, do it off email. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, reverting back to kind of building that personal brand, you know, through the social channels, the reason for building that personal brand in, in the majority of cases for investors is to establish a good source of quality deal flow coming in and build your presence in the, in the ecosystem. So, so what's, I'd love to hear how your current deal sourcing strategy looks like and what the kind of allocation is from uh, cold emails to referrals to you actively sourcing deals from certain spaces. What's your strategy looking like at the moment? You know, I think there's a couple things. So what we tried to do when we, when we set up our fund is just surround us ourselves with the smartest people possible, the most well-connected people possible. So myself and, and my, my two partners, um, we decided to raise a fund. We said, let's get some really smart people on board Folks that can help us with deal flow, folks that can help us really dig deep on diligence, um, and then folks that can help our, our portfolio uh, on an ongoing basis. So we ended up having a team of about 16, a bunch of venture partners, a bunch of in-house experts, and some, some sort of like high-level mythical advisors. A lot of the deals come through our network, uh, and our, our immediate network being our, our, our team. Additionally, you know, some of the best deals actually come through our entrepreneurs. 
So we invest in, in entrepreneurs that are just doing incredible things, but more importantly, are thought leaders. Like I was just talking about how everyone really needs to be a thought leader in, in something specific. And these thought leaders who we've invested in our portfolio companies uh, say, hey, I've seen every company out there. Here's one that I think is really, really interesting you guys should, should check out. That happens a lot. Those happen to be probably the best deals we see coming from entrepreneurs that we've invested. And then also entrepreneurs that we've passed on as well for whatever reason. Uh, we'll get a lot of deals from entrepreneurs that uh, it just didn't work out and we didn't invest in, uh, but we thought were, were brilliant for you know whatever reason. They ended up introducing us to one of their, their pals or just a company they came across. That That's just really powerful. I think when it comes to cold emails, when it comes to people tweeting at you, uh, you know, that's a tough one because they're, they're, those deals tend to take a lot longer, uh, to, to, to diligence, a lot longer to, you know, you need to know the person or at least have some sort of mutual connection with them. Um, and doing that through a, a cold email is really tough to do. I actually don't think we've invested in any companies through a cold email. Most of them have came through our, our immediate network. And I, I'm intrigued, at the stage that you invest in, how much of a role do angels and angel networks play in, in terms of co-investment and deal sourcing? Do you do you actively work with angels or is that not such a prominent feature of, of New York's ecosystem? Yeah, we love angels. We call them angels for a reason, right? A lot of times they'll come in and, and you know, bail out a company uh, from, the, from the cash side of things. You know, they... Depends on, on the angel, obviously, but we work with a lot of angel investors, a lot of high net worth individuals that are just looking to get involved. I think the best one, the best angels are the ones that do more than, you know, 10 deals or 30 deals, right? The more deals you do as an angel investor, the better you are, um, the more value you can add. And, and the more, the more that us as, as, as VCs can really come to, to, to trust the, these folks. You know, I see a lot of deals where you have angel investors that are just investing in one company uh, for whatever reason it is. And they don't know much about the industry. They don't really, there's no value they can add. They're really just a, a check. That's a, that's a tough one for us to, to follow. Um, you know, if, if, if someone like that comes to us and says, we have a great company, check it out. We'll obviously check it out. But in terms of, of, of the merit of, of the intro and in terms of, of, of the ability to add value alongside of angels, it's a lot harder when it's really just a, a cash investment. I, I love investing with, you know, a group of angels that are, are strategic, are industry experts, and, and get it. And then we come in, and they obviously add their value, and we add a ton of value as well. You know, we invest really early. So sometimes we'll invest in, in the friends and family round, right, which is when angels come in. But, you know, usually it's a seed round. So there'll be, there'll be some cash in the business from angels before we, uh, before we come in, uh, in most cases. So, yeah, I, I love working with it. And as a previous angel yourself, and having worked with angels now for a while, do you agree with the thesis that the first 30 angel investments that you make, obviously the numerical figure is not quite, doesn't need to be 30, but the first 30 you make as an angel will go um, downwards and, and not be so profitable for you as a person? Well, actually, I think the terms that I think it was Neval or Abacant or someone used was that the first 30 you make will go bust. Do you agree with that thesis? I mean, do you, how have you approached pattern recognition as you proceed as an investor? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I think if you're doing, if you're angel investing, your first, I don't know, 10 to 30 deals, assume that you lost the money and invest accordingly. So, so does that mean invest small to start with? Invest small to start with, but see deals before you invest, right? If I'm going to invest in a payments company, 
or, you know, a VR company, again, using that example, like I need to be able to see 50 to 100 other companies so that I can formulate an opinion, right? It's like coming, coming to the U.S. and, and you know, seeing, seeing a Starbucks for the first time and saying, this is amazing, I want to start a coffee shop, right? You have to really understand the coffee business to go and, and, and make that opinion. So if you're going to go and you're going to invest in, a, in, a, in an industry, know the industry cold and look at a bunch of deals so that you know that you invested in the right company. It's really tough when I see angels who I'm like, all right, who else is doing something like this? And they just, they don't know. And that, that's always a scary part. So it takes you 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 deals with small checks to be able to really hone those pattern recognition skills so that you could really understand industry. That's also why I said you need to be a thought leader in, 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 in this industry you're investing in, right? You have to know the space cold, especially if you're an angel, because presumably if you're finding a deal as an angel, there, there's a reason for it, positive or negative. Try to err on the side of, like, I'm seeing this deal because I'm a thought leader or because I can add strategic value. You know, there, there's a lot of angels that see deals because no one else would invest. That's always a that's always a, a tough side to be on. And make sure that you know that when you're about to invest. And pattern recognition is really the only way to go and, and, and suss that out. And I want to dive into a lightning round with you now. So I say a short statement and you give me your immediate thoughts. So you said strategic value there. What's the most important strategic value an angel can bring in your eyes? Uh, industry expertise. Uh, it's really, really important to be able to understand the industry, understand if, if it's a B2B company, who you're selling to, if it's a consumer, uh, if it's a consumer company, understanding the end user. Um, really, really important, especially early on. If you could give founders one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't start a company. And then your favorite startup or investing blog or newsletter? I like Launch by Jason Calacanis. I think he does a really good job twice a day uh, coming out with sort of this really quick, short form, what the hell's going on in, in the startup world. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's called Launch or one of his one of his launch yeah, brands. Is, yeah. um, I also really like, uh, I like Strictly VC. I like what Connie does at Strictly VC. You know, I get most of my stuff through Twitter. I follow really interesting people and I click through so I use Twitter as, as my dashboard when it comes to blogs and newsletters and sort of everything goes through Twitter as, as my main interface. And then what's your vision for Indicator? Is this a enduring lifelong fund? Are we, you know, how, how do you approach the long-term view with Indicator? Yeah, I, I want to build a, a fund two and fund three and invest in incredible people. I mean, we look at Indicator as sort of, you know, we're early stage investors. I like to say we're, we're sort of like high school. Uh, you know, we, we get entrepreneurs who are early on, they come through our high school. We try to help them as much as possible getting into the next stage of life, whether it's college or whatever it is. And I look at college as raising a series A from an awesome investor. You know, how do we figure out how to get you into the best college possible? Um, if we can do that, we're, we're doing our job. So just adding value early on, uh, investing in incredible people and trying to help the business as much as possible your most recent investment and why you said yes. So, uh, I, come, I don't know if I can tell you, but it, it, you know, if not, then you heard it here first. So we invested in a, uh, a company called Wade and Wendy. Interesting name, but really even, even more interesting company. Uh, they do, they're a machine intelligent assistant, uh, that helps people navigate their careers, leveraging machine learning, big data, really to make hiring and that entire process more efficient. So I would call it sort of AI for, uh, recruiting. Fantastic. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing the indicator journey. Thanks, Harry. You're the man. 
And I would like to say a huge thank you to Jonathan for giving up his time today to be on the show. And if you would like to access the article from the episode today, then head on over to syndicateroom.com, where you can find our Investor Learning Academy with all the resources from past guests and today's show. And if you're loving the show, then let us know on Twitter by tweeting at Syndicate Room. But before we leave you today, we'd like to remind you that early stage investing is risky. Therefore, please ensure you engage in the proper due diligence prior to making any investments. Thanks so much as always for listening to today's episode and we look forward to bringing you next week's show.